What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Brock Beats World. And it's Brock Beats World. It's your Brock Beats World podcast. Oh, Beach. Um, Tony <laughs> um, <Tony> Curtis. <laughs> but even the way we did that, it reminded me of like, remember those like boy band intros? Oh, I was all seat. yeah. I was all powerline, but it did kind of remind me of that hairspray moment where they're all introducing themselves. Yes, exactly. And I'm Link. Ah! <laughs> speaking of, okay, speaking of boy bands, did you hear that AJ and Joey Fatone are going on tour? Just, just the, two, the of two of them. Just the two of them. <laughs> I feel like their tour would be less of like a like concert and more of just two dudes kind of karaokeing and just telling stories and doing crowd work. And like that could be interesting. Like I don't really trust them to put on a good show, the two of them, but I do trust them to have like great fan interactions and like YouTubeable moments. A little crowd work, a little cabaret, a little Because if there's one thing Fatone can do, it's charm a crowd. We've seen him with the host of the show. He he's you know. I always told y'all the fat one's my favorite. So <laughs> I, I, I'm here for Fatone. I'm, I'll do it. Um, something completely different, I do want to say. Uh, it has been cold here. It's, in been too, it's been too cold <laughs> everywhere. It's too damn too cold. cold. It's too, too damn cold. cold. I did not sign up for this. This is not the world I want to live in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> none of us want to live in this world. <laughs> everything is too damn cold everything's too damn expensive i just want to stay home and sleep i don't want to do anything like the sun goes down at like noon like it's too much (laughs) it's too much speaking of things are too expensive do you know what's also expensive weddings oh this episode segue is about uh planning a wedding and how do you feel about this episode (sighs) um (laughs) It's fine. I, you okay. know, what? it's 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 interesting. Like we'll get into it. I feel like this episode is fine. I have more questions about structure, seasonal okay. structure, and episode okay. structure, and things like that. I have I have things that I have responses, so I'm I'm, I'm with okay. you there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, before we get yeah. into it, as always, uh, we want to thank you guys for uh, sharing your thoughts with us at broadmeetsworld at gmail.com or on all the social platforms. You guys have been really good on our Instagram and on our YouTube, reaching out to us, having different conversations. If you have something that you would like to say or you would like us to say, please reach out to us. Uh, Hit that subscribe, hit that follow. And um, as we have been saying, subscribe to our Patreon for more merch, for more ad-free experiences, and for our extended conversations where we will be talking about Pod Meets World, uh, their episodes as they come out. We will have a little bit of extra content for you guys who have been asking for us to respond in real time of their latest episodes. So go over to our Patreon, check that out. Can I just say we also have bonus content there. Those who are missing last uh, Tango and Philly from season five, we re-recorded that episode. And also My Date with President Salter still on our Patreon. So um, yeah, don't don't miss these, these moments, guys, because we got content. We got content. We did it for you. Uh, Okay, and I know, we know why you guys came here. You came Mm. here for a little Boy Meets World conversation. Mm. I'm (laughs) I'm here to have it. We're here to have it. Okay, uh, Tony, are you ready to do the Uh, I do like the idea of us getting really ASMR with this. Ooh, I was going to say, Delilah, after dark. (laughs) You know what you guys are looking for, the nitty gritty (laughs) on this wedding. (laughs) That got kind of porny a little bit. It Uh, did. Here's (laughs) the thing. I don't know what kind of weddings you go to. Uh, (laughs) Oh, oh. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to give us a tell me about it? Yeah, here we go. Tell us about it. Yeah, the wedding's in full swing. Corey and Topanga try their hardest to plan a dream wedding with the help of their fam. I like it. I love it. Um, you have to keep it simple. There's so much wacky ass shit that happens in this episode. There was no way to like comment on it. Here's the thing. So there are a few things that I think are really important that at least colored my approach to this episode. First things first, this is directed by William Russ. Rusty directed this episode. <gasps> really? Okay, that's interesting. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, well. And on top of that, I think the framing device of this episode allows for the wackiness. Like, uh, because okay. once once I realized that this episode is being told 
by Topanga and Corey, mm -hmm. the zaniness can be elevated. The nonsensicalness of it all kind of makes sense because we are not seeing things as we are supposed to believe they happened. We are seeing things as they are being told. Sure. And yeah, I want to talk about that. Give the synopsis, the actual synopsis real fast. And we'll, we'll okay. jump in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So sorry. Uh, this is season seven, episode six. They're killing us. Corey and Topanga dish out the ups and downs of planning their wedding, including his selection for best man and her dress-hating bridesmaids, directed by William Russ. So, okay, so one of the things you were talking about was, like, the unreliable narrator. It's like Correct. we were getting this perspective as you're telling it to us, and we can kind of accept that some things may not be entirely accurate because you were just recounting this based off of memory. Honestly, I like the framing of this episode. I think it's very interesting. The one thing I want to talk about is there was a movie that came out in 1999 called The Story of Us. It starred Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer. This movie was about a married couple, maybe 20 years into their, their marriage, and they're in couples counseling. And the framing of that movie is almost exactly how this episode is framed. We have, uh, you know, Bruce Willis, we have Michelle Pfeiffer, sometimes both of them talking directly to the camera as if you're the therapist and they're telling the story of their lives and their ups and downs. The movie came out almost the exact month that this episode came out. So it's hard to believe that the movie uh, had a huge influence on this episode, but it's so similar that it's kind of hard to believe it didn't play a part. So we had the same comment earlier for the last single in Philly, which came out the exact same year as the full Monty. Monty yeah. If I'm being honest, I know the way that Hollywood works. Some scripts are just being passed around. Trailers and are do, out. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like sometimes the writers either worked on a script or read a script or someone was privy to the idea before it became its final um, film. Sure. And they decided to include some of that into their own work. Because I'm with you. Like, if that's the framing device, I was going to say, also, this movie reminded me of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Because oh, okay. it also has that thing where it's like, we start off on a couch. We have a couple telling them. I wonder what the first, I don't know if the story of us was the first to do it. But the idea yeah. of two people, a couple on the couch talking to the camera as if it is their therapist sure. is something I've seen a few times now. And I do wonder what like the first to do it is. Yeah, absolutely. Also to kind of like share a little bit of my personal life, me and my husband were, we, we are long overdue of doing this, <laughs> but we sat down and we were selecting the photos from our wedding. Oh yeah. Yeah. To go into our wedding album. So the timing of this was very, it was perfect timing just in the sense that I I was in the wedding mode and remembering planning my own wedding. Sure, However, sure. I also remembered everything. Like, I don't like looking at those photos because they just make me angry. I remember everything <laughs> that went wrong. I remember all the things, all the choices that weren't done right by other people. Sure, So sure. to watch this episode where they're like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's the way to go. Here's, okay, before we get into, like, the actual planning and all the little montage segments, which I think will make it actually really easy to talk about, there's just yeah. one A storyline, and there's just these little, like, uh, you know, moments that kind of get touched on. This episode was released in October. Yeah. Can we just talk about how weird it is? And I right. say that in the sense of shows usually save something big and important like a wedding for a sweeps week, for a season premiere, season finale, whatever. This episode goes out of its way to almost kind of comment on like, oh, we can't wait until the end. We need to do it right now, which is fine. But it's also like kind of strange to have like this build up seven years in the making come out on like a random November or, you know what I mean? It just, to yeah. me, it just feels like this should have been like, Either the farewell before you get into the back half of the season after Christmas break or the first thing that happens when you come back from Christmas break or save it for sweeps week. It just felt strange that this is where this was placed. So I'm fine with like we can go through the episode and everything. I just think in general, it's just weird because once we pass this episode and we start getting further into season seven, you're going to be like, 
they're kind of losing momentum and things to talk about. And I wish they would have maybe saved the wedding. So that's just where I'm coming from. Also. No, I, th I think you're accurate. I, it's so funny. I had someone come over like literally at the tail end of me watching this episode and they were like, oh, like what is, and I was like, it's so funny because I can tell that, or at least in my opinion, and we can talk to the writers and see what sure. they say. But in my opinion, they have now confirmed that this is the final season. Yeah. And with that confirmation, they're like, okay, we have to give the wedding, but they're, we know what we want the finale to be. Sure. You know sure, what I'm sure, saying? Sure. And it's like, yeah. we can't do, we need space between those two events as well, because otherwise they will cannibalize each other. So in my mind, someone was like, okay, we have to do the wedding. We know that we want the finale to be its own thing, and we want some distance between the finale and the wedding, and we also want to do the honeymoon and everything, which will also be before the break. So in my mind, this episode did a really good job of, hey, we understand that we have given you seven years of buildup, but we are also pressed for time. And since we're pressed for time, we will give you an explanation of why next week's episode seems to come out of nowhere. That's and, what I and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. But looking back a few seasons, if you look at, for example, where the um ski lodge episode was placed yeah. in season five, it was after the Christmas episode. Yeah. It was in the spring. Yeah. And it led up to the graduation episode, which was still a fine way to cap that season without it being cannibalized by the Lauren storyline. I wish, and if I could restructure the season, that the wedding would have happened after Christmas, that we had this like spring wedding like uh, storyline, maybe spread over five episodes, talking about the honeymoon, talking about them together. Before we get to the point, to me, it makes more sense for them to get married as they're about to leave college versus it happening again in the middle of the season, out of nowhere. It, it, there was no buildup. Like last episode we did was about them like, ruining girls night and now all of a sudden they're planning the wedding it just feels like a very like sharp turn and i just wish they took more time with it i disagree in the sense of if you remember with the lauren storyline it's like we dealt with lauren we dealt with the ramifications of lauren we had one episode of Corey and topanga being on good footing and then topanga was proposing mm. so that's how it actually happened last, uh, not last season, two seasons ago, where we had like one episode in between, and I think they didn't want to do that. I like, or maybe yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're right, and I, you know what, I this is probably me being overly picky. We'll see how it plays out and how it's structured throughout the rest of the season because I really don't remember season seven. It's probably the season I remember the least. Yeah. Obviously, I returned to the season the least, um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I just wanted to say that that it felt odd that this episode came out at this time for me was just my first impression. And, and no, I'm not disagreeing. If anything, I, I specifically looked at it as this episode explaining the jump. Yeah, it explains yeah. why, because again, we expect wedding planning. We expect a big event. We have been trained by television that we get a wedding, as you said, mid-season. We get a wedding at the end of a season. A wedding is supposed to be our tent pole. And the idea that Corey and Topanga's wedding, of all things, won't be one of our final episodes or one of our biggest episodes doesn't make sense. But I think yeah. if you look at like a, a very truncated timeline, it does. I, I'm sure that's all true. One last thing I want to say on this before we move on, because I feel like we spent too much time on this, is that <laughs> if you watch The Office, a very yeah. similar thing happened with Jim and Pam, where you had all of this buildup for Jim and Pam. Will they, won't they, going for season for season. And then, like, Jim randomly just proposes to Pam at, like, a gas station at the end of an episode, almost seemingly like an afterthought. And I remember watching that as an audience and feeling like I was... I. I deserved more as, as an invested person in the storyline to make this more of a focus focal point for me. And I feel a very similar way about Corey and Spanga's wedding. Everything you're saying, I'm sure is right. But as a fan, it just feels like you've been dicking us around with whether or not they're going to do this or not. Like, at least give me like a season to dedicate to this in a way that I feel like maybe would be more satisfying. I don't know. Again, I think they even addressed that with at the end when Feeney's like, you're going to go through with it this time, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like it, it kind of 
is letting us know we understand. And also, last week, we got one line where Topanga reminded us that they are engaged. You know, she's like, this is my fiance. So I feel, I, I, I agree with you that it doesn't necessarily feel like we got the storyline, the buildup, or even the um, road to the wedding. That like, we think deserved. about this. Last week was their first week together since they broke up. So Correct. it's like, we got back together, we spent one week together, now we're planning our wedding, now we're getting married. It feels very fast in terms Absolutely. of like this four episode lineup. That's Completely what. agree. I, I, no no fights for me there. Um, how do you feel about the idea that they made this episode a montage of wedding prep versus like spreading it out throughout the season? Because I can honestly say that like as a single unit episode, if this was like, hey, we're just going to montage this wedding making process, I think it's well done from I that like perspective. It. Yeah. I like here's the thing. I like this episode. I like this episode considering how much nonsense that we usually get that doesn't have explanation. The simple framing device of Corey and Topanga going to the starting on the couch, telling us these stories, and all of, like we get Eric being zany in a way that only makes sense if Corey is telling this story. Sure, you know, sure. if Corey's telling the story, then everything that happens, you understand this is not what actually happened. This is Corey's retelling. Corey is speaking in hyperbole. You know, it, I feel like that's something we're taking from this. I don't think that they intended to make a scene like this didn't happen, that Eric didn't start to oh, Here's the thing. No, here's the thing. Doesn't matter. I'm saying as someone who has been watching this show and is constantly asking why, why is Eric doing this? Why are we allowing this? Mm -hmm. How did the firemen get here so quickly? As someone who's constantly asking these questions, when you give me a, we always say, all you need is one line of dialogue. Yeah. All you need is something very simple to let me understand the world that I'm in. And I'm here for it. And that's how I felt with this episode. I felt like this episode finally did what I've always asked. Gave me a reason to be like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I will say this, like the episode, again, works for me as well. The structure of how they tell it, the way it's laid out, these little montage moments. Um, it, it, to me, it seems like snapshots. It's like reviewing yes. a photo album versus yes. like spending time in each one. Um, let's just jump right into these bridesmaid dresses because I feel like this is the first it. scene that we come across. It we, is. One of the things I want to mention about this bridesmaid dress before we get into like how it plays into the storyline <laughs> is that I feel like... Uh, Probably one of the most reoccurring costumes at the yes. live shows is yep. these bridesmaid dresses, yep. which I think is really funny. Yep. All these bridesmaids dresses. And I also, I wrote down infamous bridesmaids dress. And, and I, I wrote think... the same thing. Infamous <laughs> Southern Belle bridesmaids dress. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's really quickly, since you brought it up. Topanga wanting a Southern Belle wedding. No, 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 no. Topanga wanted a Gone with the Wind theme wedding. This is problematic as fuck, bro. Like, and not I only is it problematic, <laughs> I expected them to give Angela a line to be like, really, how? Like, you know, really? Like <laughs> You're going to have me dress up in a, in a plantation wedding, Alf? Like, what are we doing? Oh, my I, God. I, which would have been wrong, but if Angela would have been like, I don't know nothing about planning no wedding. <laughs> but either way, I'm just saying that the idea of like a Southern Belle wedding felt weird. It felt out of nowhere. And also, I'm not going to lie, a lot of this episode felt like they wanted Topanga's mom to be there. And it's so couldn't. strange that she's not there. It's so strange that neither of her parents are there. They're talking about paying for things. Oh, Alan's only yes. covering the liquor in the band. So where are her other parents? Like, why isn't her mom there while she's trying on wedding dresses? And can I just talk about the weirdest part about this whole wedding dress thing, bridesmaid dress thing? The idea that, um, I, I mean, yes, it's a Southern wedding. I think Morgan is great, by the way. With I would have said, this up. is the most Morgan we've gotten in a while. And she's, she's wonderful. Why is it that Amy has given everything important to her to Topanga and not Morgan? She tells Topanga in front of Morgan, other than the ring, which I already gave you, this dress is the last family heirloom. You have a daughter, Amy. Have you saved nothing for her? This is what I was going to say. The reason why I say that is because Topanga at one point in time says, "Family is my family is very important to me. And I'm like, they're not your family yet. I'm not saying that, like, you know, your in-laws don't feel like family immediately. But this felt like the idea that to hang, like that dress 
that Topanga is wearing looks like something, does not look like something Amy would have worn. It looks like something that Rhiannon would have worn because of the yeah, type yeah. of people who we knew her parents 100%. to be. Even if we're going to argue that they are not her parents anymore and these are not the same people and all this other stuff, the type of people who would name their daughter Topanga would have that type of wedding dress. Amy would not have that type of wedding dress. Also, what girl doesn't want to go wedding dress shopping with her own mom? Like, exactly. why wouldn't you just wait until she got there next week? Like, I don't Correct. know. It just seems strange. No, I, I agree with that. And to me, and this is simply how I read it, I was like, oh, this felt like it was supposed to be Topanga's mom. They couldn't get Marsha Cross or whoever. And so they just rewrote it. Yeah. Or someone made a pass at it and was like, it is the mom. And they were like, we can't do that but we can have amy do it so you know like it yeah. it felt like that was important because this entire setup feels like actually two families coming together mm -hmm. you know like at the, the end the big reveal it feels I, well, like both families being there and hearing the news that we are going to get a smaller wedding and also the fact that we have interaction between morgan and topanga calling each other like my future sister things like that like i loved all of that i thought that the the dynamic between, between morgan and Topanga was great. This is my favorite Morgan episode we've had pr probably ever. Um, I want to see more of her with Topanga. I want to see Topanga try to be a big sister to Morgan. Like, I don't know that we ever get that, but it would be really great to see that because I feel like they have great chemistry here. It seems this episode to me is the one that they pull from when we are doing our clip show and the finale. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. that, that they pull from this. And it's like, oh, because it's a good dynamic. We should see Morgan interact with the other girls of the cast. 100%. Like the idea of it just being Amy, uh, Angela, Rachel, uh, Topanga, and Morgan, that's fun. I yeah. like that even. So, like, yeah. where's Topanga's bachelorette party? Like, where's, like, let's let's get the girls together. I just, it feels like it could have been a lot of fun. One thing I want to say is that it seems as though this entire episode from a writer's room perspective was like, who's got jokes? Who's yeah. got a scene they want to throw in there? Who wants to, like, the whole idea with, like, okay, how can we make the bridesmaid thing funny? How can we make the best man thing funny? Like, they're going through every aspect of planning a wedding in almost like a sketch like structure yes. that I think actually to your point works. It works with the the comedy of it all. All over the top, but it all seems like stuff that was like pitched in like a, all right, let's see if we can do this. Let's see if we can do that. And it's fun. It's a good time. Yeah, it, it, it allows the cast to come together in a way that we haven't seen in quite mm -hmm. some time. Like everyone being here, everyone gets a role. Everyone has like something to play. Does it all fit the characters that we know? Not really, mm -mm. but it's still fun. I will say, like, to that point. So the idea that Topanga would want a Southern Belle wedding doesn't make sense. But then she asks Corey what kind of wedding he wants, and he goes, you know, have a nosh. And I'm like, Corey is not Jewish. He's not Jewish in this show. Why? Like, that, like is he not? <laughs> no, here's the thing. I know that the character, sorry, the actor and the story behind it is. But we know in universe he's not Jewish. But so they oh they have always written Corey to be an old Jewish man. Like literally since the who we got they want you to take the roles. And this yes. is something that's been so innate to him. I need someone to acknowledge the fact that Corey wants an old Jewish wedding. Like it's just it's yeah. weird that we do it and we don't want to acknowledge it. Um, even like when I think it was Mark Blutman who talked about how he pitched that Corey wanted a bar mitzvah. It's like, okay, but they frame it as he wants a bar mitzvah because all of his friends are having a bar mitzvah, not because he has turned of age and he is expected to have a bar mitzvah as a American Christian household. It's yeah. it's just one of those things that bother me. Uh, also, the idea that Topanga, reminder, this is Topanga, wants a 270-guest wedding that only holds space for 80. And I'm no, like, yeah, yeah. It, the the place she was like, uh, the wedding planner is like, we could comfortably fit sixty, and she's like, we invited two seventy. It's like, oh, so you need to rethink some things. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you invited two seventy, why did you choose this location? Like, what is special about this location? This is not the former place that we uh, knew was on reserve because. 
Remember at the end of season six, yeah. we talk about the idea of there being a place that Topanga had her heart getting married on. That place had availability, but we had to take the phone call. We don't hear anything else about that again. So if you want 270 people, you need to find a place that holds 270 people. That's how this that is works. Just basic math. Like you're the valedictorian <laughs> of your class. Exactly. Like, and you you don't understand that 270 and 80 don't go together. <laughs> it's like, it's not even like, hey, the sp space fits 80. We want to try to squeeze in 100. It's like, no, we, we've lapped this. It's, 270. Uh, By the way, who are these 270 people? <laughs> you don't know nobody. You hang out with the same 12 people. Your aunt ain't there. Your parents ain't there. Like, who are these people? <laughs> where's your auntie? <laughs> yeah, where's your aunt? You like again, like they like we know continuality is not this show's strong point, but it's just one of the things where just so everyone knows, I don't know how other people have done it, but when I was finding my wedding, our guest list was dependent on what location we chose. We the venue, like, when you book it, says this is how much you can do. It's almost as if they invited people before choosing the venue, which makes you wonder, where did they get invited to? Not only where did they get invited to, but if you invited 270 people already, what are you going to tell those people next week? <laughs> Change your location. <laughs> what are we doing? Exactly. Um, okay, keep going. Okay, so the second montage we go into is the honeymoon talk. And I am very excited to talk about this. I... Brett, I've been waiting to talk to you about this shit for, for the okay. whole season. Topanga okay. gives Corey a list of options for the honeymoon. And Corey says he doesn't care about any of that. He just wants to have sex. Topanga says she thinks Corey only wants to get married to have sex. To what, At which point, Corey agrees. Yep. Can we have a conversation about this? Yeah. Like, well, so what he says after he agrees, because you're right, he does agree that that's basically what he's doing. He also says, can we agree that you owe me? She he says, says he yes. says he he has an incel rage where he breaks out and he says, <laughs> you know what's sick? Everyone, entire student union, we've been together 17 years. Let me touch something. You understand you owe me? You you do intend to pay me on yes. the road? Like <laughs> yes. Yeah, again, you understand you owe me. Do you intend to what do what does she owe you? What does she owe you? Sex. Do you intend to pay? It's a transactional it's thing. It's transactional. And it's played for comedy and this ain't funny. I ain't laughing. Mm. There is nothing funny about this. And it needs to be called out because the idea that you only get married in order to have sex is something that has been told to numerous people uh, so many times. And the idea, this is where the incel comes from. It's like you are owed sex. Men are owed sex. The women that they are in a relationship are obligated. She is indebted to him, according to this show. And it's like, that's not it. That, that is like, what, where's the love <laughs> doing? Controversial opinion. Yeah. I feel, like I said, I feel like Topanga has become very passive. Yep. as a partner to Corey and all of She's his shenanigans. Traditional sitcom wife at this point in time. What would have been so great would be to end this moment when Topanga's like, oh, so you're only getting married to have sex. And Corey says, yes. Topanga pulls Corey. They go to the dorm. We cut. They just had sex. And now she's looking at him saying, so do you still want to get married now that you got what you want? Like something to that effect. I know that seems extreme. Still feels transactional. Of, it still feels transactional, definitely. But this idea of almost Topanga, to me, it doesn't make sense for Topanga to be so willing to jump into a relationship with someone who's like, I'm only in this for sex. Knowing yeah. what Topanga has gone through with her parents, it would yep. make sense to me that she's she is not a religious person. Like she has never conveyed that she had a religious element to her. In fact, in the early seasons, she almost seemed pagan. So why doesn't she just want to be like, in that same way that like, oh, isn't it funny that you got kissed when you thought you looked the weirdest? Like, you you thought all you wanted was sex. Well, now you got it. Do you still want to get married to me? Is this a commitment you still want to make? Because to me, this is about more than sex, and I need to ensure that it's more than sex for you. Something like that, for me, I know controversial would have really worked. And I know I'm the minority, and it's a strange opinion to have a Topanga, but she, to me, should be, as she's written, 
to be sex positive. And so that's that's where that comes from. I agree that seasons one Topanga would be sex positive at this age. The Topanga that we've known ever since she got that first haircut uh, back in season four, she has she's a different person. And yep. this Topanga is an idealized version of that other Topanga. This Topanga um, is basically there to be Corey's companion and doesn't really have much going on for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I'm not surprised that this is where we go. To your point, I would have liked it if we took a moment for Topanga to be like, if this is only about sex to you, what does that say about us? I would have liked it to be an actual serious conversation to where at some point in time they address the, I don't need Topanga to offer her body or for her to be like, let's go upstairs and do it right now. To your point, like maybe not, but like actually just saying, all right, let's do it right now. Like why wait? Why even wait till next week? Let's have sex right now. But then there's no wedding. Then there's no marriage. If that's all you want, if that's the prize, you can have that. I'll give it to you right now. But then there's no wedding. And again, it's something <laughs> like that to just make it clear to us that Corey isn't just marrying her to have sex, which seems to be his main focus for the since they got engaged. So Absolutely. just something like that would have been really helpful to me. I um, agree. Then we go into the best Sean coming in. Yeah. And I will say there are a few things. One is Sean comes in and he is essentially sacrificing his position as best man. He's really cool about it. So He's like Eric. Eric's your brother. Know, and the only thing that I'm gonna say is oh, yeah, you thought what he, was... he says, what he says is if Eric is your best man, then he's most likely gonna do this, which is gonna lead to that, which is gonna yeah. lead to this, which means you may not even get married. So to me, I'm like, is Sean playing the long game? Is Sean just being well, like first because remember in... next week? I know I know when we do the wedding episode that Sean has a problem with Corey getting married. Like, yeah. I know that there will be tension there. So to me, it actually kind of makes sense that Eric, that Sean, in a way, is being like, no, Eric should be your best man, because that, then the odds of you even getting married go down greatly. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, I, I didn't get that at all, but that's an interesting read of it. Um, Something where Sean was like, he understands that blood is thicker than water and all that shit. He seems very cool and like almost insisted upon Eric, even before Corey said like best man thing, he's like, oh, you should choose Eric, no doubt. Like he's your brother, I get it. And the way that made me feel like him not being desperate for it is the thing that makes him the more attractive option. That's what I thought they were trying to do, but your your theory might work as well. I no, think. I just, like, again, like, just in the way that it's going, I, I just saw it as, like, planting the seeds. Because, again, only because he specifically says, you should have Eric do it, and if Eric is doing it, which, by the way, what he goes is, he goes, Corey goes, he'll probably drop the rings down the minister's pants, and then um, the minister will respond, because Eric's going to go in the pants, pants with both hands yeah. and he'll yell and then eric's sorry sean says and cough which i thought was like a fun little <laughs> joke that it doesn't get the attention that it needs to but like sure, that idea of joke. like coughing as well but nonetheless to me the idea of eric being like by making eric eric by sean being like making eric your best man will eventually end in disaster that to me is the thing that I just kind of like held on to. And then of course, because again, because of Corey is telling this story, everything that Sean said would happen if he makes Eric his best man happens just by Eric arguing to be the best man. Yeah. I think that the, the, the play on it really comes more from Eric. I love when he comes in, he's like, I'm bigger and stronger <laughs> than Sean is. And within no time starts a fire, which, and here's the part where we're starting to get into like the zany cartooniness of it. Like, even if you accept like, hey, this is going to be a montage. This is going to be told through Corey's perspective. The the Eric that I'm seeing in this episode isn't so vastly different than the Eric I've been seeing all season enough to make me think that this was hyped up to a cartoonish metaphor in Corey's retelling and not just who Eric is. The fact that Eric just gave a bunch of money to a monkey and then here he is in a room he set fire and instead of reacting to the fire he's just 
gazing off, giggling, goofy. Like no, he's, he's just kind of song. like what you he's talking about? yeah, that's like they're singing. <laughs> like it just feels so strange. And I'm not saying it's not funny and it doesn't work for this episode, but taking a look at who Eric is from the wider perspective, it just feels like a very um you're making him so dumb again that I don't know that he's safe to function as an adult in the world by himself. See, starting multiple whole, fires. You're doing that season arc thing, and I'm like looking at this episode. And in this episode, it makes sense. In this okay. episode, I, I know, we, and I agree. I agree to that. 100%. In this episode, we make it clear that Corey thinks that Eric is stupid. Mm-hmm. Corey, like again, I don't know when we rejoin everyone in the Matthews living room. There's no, the curtains aren't on fire. They're not singed. So clearly that's not necessarily how things happened. It is Corey's retelling. And even the way, again, I want to say the way the fire starts, Eric does not start the fire. They had candles. Well, he didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world was turning. I knew where you were going the moment you said he didn't start the fire. (laughs) (laughs) But he did not start the fire. He picked up Corey who had open flamed candles near a curtain in his dorm yeah. room, which I guarantee you is not allowed. So that is not Eric's fault oh, that you wow. had lit candles in the dorm room near a curtain. But okay, can one. I just say this? As someone with like a golden retriever, right? <laughs> like I know that like, oh, I can't put food to like on the coffee yeah. table. He can get yeah. to it. I need to watch where I put candles. Yep. It just feels like Eric is the kind of person who, although he has his strengths, you need to kind of like, oh, Eric's coming over. Let's raise the candles. Let's put them somewhere different. Yes! Let's like, yes! you have to accommodate Eric. And that's what I'm saying. Like, he needs accommodations. He can't just go through the world and live safely. But I here's the thing. It remind you just reminded me when you said Golden Retriever. Eric at this point in time is like Andy from Parks and Rec. Oh, 100 percent Yes. The whole point yes. is he's, he's a, a golden personified person. Yeah form of a golden retriever and that's like eric is just a personified dog at this point in time and I do as think you that said and he's a better said, version of that but that is a very good correlation yeah i agree but as you said whose fault is it when the candle gets caught on fire you are right. <laughs> if, if the dog eats the food i left on the coffee table it's my fault so it's not it's not eric's fault you knew who you had you knew the story that Sean told you seconds ago. And, and but, you knew Eric would be in your room. And you didn't immediately go, you know, like, like. <laughs> and like, it, this is why I think it actually serves the episode because you see how chaotic he is, how much of a wild card he is. The, if you give a mouse a cookie yeah. of it all with Eric. Yeah. That when he's like pleading, he's like telling his parents like, hey, I'm choosing Sean as my best man. Alan gives this monologue telling the yeah. story of their lives with funny yep. ad libs from Will Friedle. Yeah. And then Great. he's like, finally, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But the moments a fire starts again. <laughs> Amy's running upstairs. I gotta save the baby. I gotta save the baby. It's it actually is really funny. It's yes. extreme, it's cartoonish, but it works. Because again, no one like even I like I think it is intentional because the way that Alan and Amy act. It's as if someone else is speaking through them. Mm. Alan doesn't act this way when he's... If Alan was being sincere with Corey, he would be sincere with Corey. Amy wouldn't be like... What does she say the moment she finds out that uh, Corey has chosen Eric, uh, Sean instead of Eric? You're dead to me. <laughs> yes, it's something like that. And it's just like, that's not how... That's not how Amy would talk to Corey. They're both really fun, like wacky in this episode. Like at one point, Alan comes in and he's trying to convince Corey to use George as their wedding band. And he's like, oh, you jumped ahead and I fucking hate you, but keep going. I don't want to jump ahead, but we're talking about Alan. So I'm just like, just trying to like, at one point he says, oh, if I can water down the liquor, I can get out of this thing for like 70 bucks. And I just think that is kind of a true thing about Alan in a way. And yeah, the way that I was just like, I can understand, even though he's kind of turned up, him and Amy are both a little turned up. Yeah. And maybe it was because Will directed the episode. They yeah. wanted to have more to play with, but yeah. they seemed like cartoonish versions of themselves in a way that made sense to me. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this episode works for me because of the framing device, which is what I've always said. I said, give me a framing device so I can mm-hmm. believe the story that you're telling me. And they did that. So when 
Amy is acting out of character for Amy, it actually makes sense because it's not Amy's behavior. It's the way that Corey is telling the story. When Alan thinks that he, Alan thinks that he can get out of this entire wedding for 70 bucks. No, that's Corey saying my father is cheap and wants to do, you know, he's speaking in hyperbole. And can we we just take a second to talk about the American dream that there was a world in which Alan could theoretically spend less than a hundred dollars on a wedding. The idea that Alan could pay for this type of wedding, having been a, a store manager, you know, well, like, he's, a, again, he's, he's a he's a business owner. He's he. I know the, he owns the a business, but yeah. how like how how is that business going? Have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? We on haven't the books? been to the uh, adventure <laughs> store since season four. Like I really exactly. don't know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's insanity. Also, to your point, we get a little. We talked about Parks and Rec earlier. We get a little Duke Silver of it all with when Feeney shows up playing the saxophone I was like when did Feeney learn the saxophone he's apparently been in the jazz band it's one of those things where like he's old and they were just like sure like yeah, we don't exactly. need to explain this like he's lived a life he has experiences maybe he's in the community jazz band it just seemed very odd the thing I want to talk about about Feeney more than anything was that Feeney Judy and Judy Haberfeld? Haberfield been fucking I know we haven't done the, the Judy Hopperfield intro. Roll call. It's the perfect time. Megan Faye. Uh, Megan Faye is known for a lot of things. Um, she has been guest stars on Charmed, Freaked and Geek, uh, Dharma and Greg, Mad About You, Roseanne, 30-somethings, Malcolm in the Middle, Bernie Mac. She, she's been all over the place. But what she's most famous for is playing <laughs> Feeney's booty call in this episode. She but is also- the wedding planner and she is talks to herself in the third person, I think. I don't know. That was like a funny joke in the 90s for a while. Yeah. But it's she is just overly obnoxious, but it's just really funny how they play the history between her and Feeney. Well, we also have forgotten that Feeney just got married. Feeney could have said, I just got married. But again, we don't want to acknowledge that. So again, I'm going to say... It is just about the fact that everyone else is telling this story. And I was surprised. I was like, oh, Feeney? Feeney playing the sax? No, not, <laughs> he's playing the sax. He ghosts this woman that he bangs, apparently, to go save North Korea. It's all <laughs> Yeah, over he the told place. her he told her he was a spy. Again, this does not make sense as a regular episode, but as a episode where we are very purposely trying to up the stakes and the zaniness. I found it funny. Um, really quickly, there are two things I want to talk about. One, this also, at the exact same time, we were dealing with Judy, who very rightfully is like, uh, you want how many people in this space? Yeah. Girl, okay. Um, she literally just goes, okay. Um, but the idea that we see Danielle's eye twitch. Yeah, the famous eye twitch. We've actually seen her recreate this at live shows where people come up and be like, hey, can you do that eye twitch? We always thought it was so funny. She does it perfectly. She starts doing it when Sean shows up with the bridesmaids who have been all given $50 to do pre-prepared speeches about how much they love their dress. Angela says, I feel like a delicate Georgia flower. (laughs) Yeah, which again, as I said, I expected Angela to be like, really? Because those who know, know. Uh, no black person is willingly doing a delicate Georgia flower <laughs> in this scenario. Uh, going but Morgan, with the wind without, but Morgan says I wouldn't use this dress to wipe my own and then get pulled away. And I was like, I loved it. I thought it was not funny. only is it a hilarious joke for her to insinuate I wouldn't wipe my own ass with this dress, <laughs> but it's also true to who we know about Morgan because as we learned in season three, she got put in timeout for a very very long time for her potty mouth. So we know that this is a part of who Morgan is. That's She's right. kind Bring of a back. little South Park kid. And I honestly <laughs> love that for her. I love her being this kind of like sassy Philadelphia kid who just like maybe like has different kinds of friends than Corey and, Sh- and Sean and Eric. She's and the she- only one who's ready to nut up. She's like, yo, you want to go for it? Topanga, yeah. let's go. Let's go. And she's <laughs> keeping it 100 with the Topanga the entire time. She's a straight shooter. I just really appreciate it Morgan in this episode. I agree. Um, I will say it does kind of come out of nowhere because of what we know everyone else to be. But mm-hmm. Morgan has kind of been a little sassy one for quite some time now. Yeah. So when we get this much of her, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it fit. She yeah. just kind of feels very much like the what we will get a lot of um, 
in Disney Channel sitcoms. Sure, sure like sure. the sassy younger sibling. Yeah, but you not know? in an obnoxious way, and not in a way that's like played for children. It still yeah. feels like a family sitcom and a, a, a something that would be on broadcast. Um, okay, so at this moment, this is where Eric proposes. Can we talk about that? I this is my turned on by Hunter moment. Oh, because turned Jack, on by Hunter. Jack walks in in that tight gray Henley. Let's talk and about I'm it. like, all right, toy. You look at toy. Toy? That toy body? <laughs> also, his hair, his hair seems to be, his tips get more frosted as the season goes on. Absolutely. Again. Uh, but him coming in, being like, Eric, I told you that this isn't going to, I had no idea what Eric was going to do. I was really curious. I was Eric like, shows up here? in a Dracula's cape. Because, yes. Yeah. Again, this makes sense. If we are like, honestly, I don't like, I don't know if this is the first episode that uh, Rusty directed, but I will say that I like that they gave Rusty this episode because they're allowed to do fun things. They're allowed to do zany things. The costuming can be overly dramatic. The idea that Eric would be like, if I can't be the best man, I'll be the groom. <laughs> And yeah, and to your point, I wonder how him directing influenced the performances of the actors. Like, I'm really interested for the pod to get to this episode to talk about, like, oh, like, working with uh, Rusty as the director, like, pulled something different out of me as an actor. Like, Because they often talk about how different directors being present or different showrunners sure. kind of impact their performances. Yeah. And, like, they were either nervous or whatever. But you could tell they had fun on this one. Yeah. And when Eric goes, let's make Nick Nick. I, yeah. I, I laugh. When he hard. drops his cape, he reveals his <laughs> silk robe. Like, like so Casanova. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he professes his love to Topanga. And he says... I've been in love with you ever since I saw you through the peephole in the bathroom. Yeah. What? I know. I was like. What? <laughs> okay. Topanga, let's drop the charade and let's make Nick Nick. So funny. The, to your point, this feels like. I don't like... know why, but let's make Nick Nick. I, just, I don't know. I have no idea why. I've never heard it called that before. But the way he says Nick Nick, let's make Nick Nick. I, I was like, yes, I'm here for it. I, I thought it was hilarious. It seemed like a phrasing that they probably had to get approved by the network and they had to go through different trials of what they were allowed to say, probably. But I love this. I feel like it's so uh, fun of Eric to like get to this point. Um, and I love that they're kind of showing Eric being a little flirty to Topanga. We've seen Topanga be a little flirty to Eric before. So I kind of like this back and forth. Although it only leads to Danielle's eye twitching. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I also like like the constant freeze framing. You know, like, like, yeah. like every time someone goes to attack, we like freeze frame uh, and we break out of the story. And I, I, I like it's fun because it implies that, you know, we are understanding the tension that is being built in this episode. Then we get like the reveal that they kind of were like, hey, because of all of this tension, because of the stress that it is going into planning this wedding, we would like, we've spoken it over and we would like to have a small, intimate wedding with just family next week at 8, 7 Central. And I was like, okay, obviously, again, that 8, 7 Central felt very much like a, this is why we're doing it. This is what's happening. Breaking the fourth it... wall. Yeah, it did, yeah, it did. But that's what I mean in the sense of like, it breaks the fourth wall, but it also comes across a little lazy in the sense of like, hey, we need to like have a real conversation with you explaining why structurally this is happening in a way that's like separate from, yeah, yeah, we're Corey and Topanga, but as Ben Savage, join us next week, eight o'clock, yeah, seven central. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then again, we revealed that they've been talking to the family this entire time. And Feeney says, are you going to actually go through it with this time? And then that's it. And then we get the invitation, November 5th, 1999, com. Did you see if that actually has like, if that it is not a functioning website anymore. I do remember the website. What I also really think is interesting is that during the like uh, epilogue where they're inviting everyone to the wedding, they have to explain that, 
Corey and Topanga.com is one word. Like the internet was so new that they had to let people know how to type it. Really? And so they were just like, Corey and Topanga, it's one word. And it was like, yeah, it's symbolic of like us as a union. And they're like, oh, I think it's an internet thing. It's like, it was just such a, like a new concept to have people go onto a website. And I, I thought it was a really interesting thing to bring in because I don't remember any other TJF shows like having like websites to go to or little calls to action. Maybe they were. That's that's something I probably wouldn't register, but it just seems like for 1999, that's a very like matrix, like futuristic, like Y2K thing is to have a website and it feels very new and, and edgy. It I will say it does feel very new. Um and um it I'm surprised that they even had one. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to know what they had on the website. I'll see if I can find out like what what they had particularly on the website. But uh, yeah, well, you know, on the show they talked about this about how they had at one point, and I don't know if it was this time or before, where they had a poll on their website asking people if they wanted to see Corey and Topanga get married, and the answer was overwhelmingly yes. So that feels like something that probably happened prior to this. But it's just interesting that it's just like the internet is now. A, a tool that we can use to gauge the fans response level and like, you know, uh, impressions and things like that. Things that are so like a part of the Hollywood uh, machine now, just yeah. in its infancy back then, which I just thought was really cool and interesting. That's a really good point. Like, and, and I, I don't know. I just think, I, I think it's interesting to see where, how far we've come with the internet, how far we've come with everything. Uh, that's great. Yeah. This episode did the job it was supposed to do. It got me from A to B. It's a silly episode that montages the wedding planning process in one condensed episode. And I feel like for that, it's very successful in what it's trying to do. Is this my favorite episode? No. Is this an episode I would even return to if I was just like, hey, I just want to do the highlight episodes from each season? I don't know that it would be. So like, it's I for what it tries to do. It's very silly, but it's it, it it's like it really borderlines on being a little too silly for me specifically. I will say the idea that they say that the wedding is happening in Amy and Alan's house, mm-hmm. like living room almost. I like it says on the invitation. I think it says at the home of Alan and Amy Matthews. Yeah, I know that's not where we end up doing it, but I cannot tell you how angry I would have been. <laughs> yeah. Again, you have a third set. We just saw another set. Like, just we just me, had a wedding here with Feeney literally just give months me ago. a backyard wedding. That's all I ask. I don't need to see anyone get married in the living room again. Get married to the union. We've talked about this. There's so many yes. options. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um, lesson. What's the Feeney lesson for this? Is there a story here for there to be a lesson because what like although i've been saying like we've seen this montage we're also just kind of seeing scene 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 this isn't really an episode like what the fuck like what is the conflict in the resolution is it just that like when planning a wedding is too hard we're going to do it quickly and simply because i don't know that that is a very evident lesson from this episode but i guess that's it that was going to be my lesson my lesson was just going to be that Planning a wedding is hard. Sometimes it's better to not um, not have your relationship suffer from the excess of it all mm-hmm. and do what's right for the two of you. I feel like sure. that's like the overall lesson. I'm not going to say that they drove that home, but I will say that that was my takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and what was your bro moment? Uh, my bra moment was Eric apparently staring at Topanga through a peephole in the bathroom. Um, I don't know if that was just for tits and gigs, but it just was very creepy. We just came from last week where Corey was looking through a woman's underwear drawer. It just seems like there's a lot of behavior that's being swept under the rug that needs to be called out. And I know this was just fun, but it it, it stuck with me. I'm not going to lie. I'm very, very much like I'm interested to see how the pod feels when they get to these episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be able to do it. I literally watched last week's episode and I was like, I don't see Ryder like not walking out. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah, that is so interesting to hear like the the frustration in their reviews now. When yeah. they're in like season three and season four, where it's like, oh, yeah. you guys are in the good seasons and you're yeah. starting to get annoyed with Corey. Because like, 
Whoa, my, buckle my, the fuck up. My bra episode for this week, sorry, my bra moment of this week's episode is Corey saying, you owe me. Yeah. You yeah, owe me, one. do you yeah. intend to pay? And again, I, I, I very much look forward to Ryder hearing those words and Topanga, sorry, Danielle hearing Topanga hear that and how they will respond. And Topanga's just, response of, yes, I know I owe you. And yes, I do intend to pay you. Yeah, I, like, I, I feel like they will just cancel the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. It's over. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of it's over, what grade will you give this episode? My grade for this episode is a C? See, that's good. C? I'm giving it a B minus. I okay. here's the thing. I like this episode personally. I think the framing device worked for me. I think the zaniness worked. It worked specifically because they gave me what I asked for, which was a reason to make all of this make sense. Um, and because of that, I'm like, yeah, it's a C like it. because yes, it gave me everything I needed to get on board with this wedding. But I'm not leaving this episode excited for next week's wedding episode. And I why is that? that. What? Wh- why not give me a cliffhanger? Why not give me something to like pull me in for next week instead of like? And I think the pull in is supposed to be, well, are you actually going to go through with it? But it's like you printed up an invitation and invited <laughs> your audience. Clearly, you're going through with it. So I just don't feel like there's stakes. I just wish there was something that just like I don't know. I I I'm, I have no excitement going into next week. So that's where I'm at. I'm not fighting against you. I like the, I will admit my grade this week is purely on my enjoyment of this episode. Sure. sure. Um, I think that as an epi- I think it works in its framing device. I think it works as one of the funnier episodes we watched this season. Mm-hmm. I feel like the last few episodes have had laugh tracks or like audience being like, oh, that was funny. And like, but was it this episode was funny? This episode it was, was funny. Fine. It was I will I'll give you that. It's a funny episode. Exactly. So, okay, um, you guys, we would love to hear what you have to say. So why don't you go over and reach out to us on all the platforms and go to our Patreon where you can hear our extended conversation on this episode. You can hear us talk about Pod Meets World, as we had said earlier. Um, And as always, follow us on all the social platforms and all the things. Homework time! Homework time. What do you got for homework? You know, I'm going to do for homework this week, I'm going to do some music. I'm going to change Ooh, okay, a okay, bit. Okay, okay, okay. And I'm going to talk about Pink Friday 2, the Nicki Minaj album. Okay. Have you heard it? What are your I thoughts? actually haven't heard a single song from it. Bruh, I'm not going to lie. There are several, like, legit hits on this album. Like, I believe I, you. I, okay, let me tell you a little bit about my history with Nicki Minaj. <laughs> You know, we just uh, we were talking about her uh, verse on Monster, which is legendary. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. I remember when Nicki Minaj first came out. I was I heard like her features, I heard her underground yeah. stuff. So I was wanting something a little bit more street and harder. And when she turned pop, it kind of turned me off to her for a while. And it wasn't until like years later that I started going back and going through Nicki. I was like, oh shit, this is actually good. Yeah. When this album dropped, I wasn't even paying attention to it. I was just doing my normal fishing, which yeah. is on on. Fridays, I'll just yeah, you listen to new, new music, music Friday yeah. on Spotify, and I'm just I'm just fishing for new songs, new artists, and like super freaky girl, such a great dance song. Uh, Red Ruby, the sleaze, great dance song. Everybody featuring Lil Uzi Vert, great song. Like there's just some like real hits on this album, and fuck the club up, FTCU, another great banger. So I just feel like. Hip hop lately hasn't been that fun to me. It's been a lot of like what I like to call Drake hookah lounge music. <laughs> and so to actually hear music that makes me want to like hit a dance floor has been like really fun for me. So definitely check out Pink Friday 2, the Gag City Deluxe uh, album. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's a good jam. I honestly, I feel like there's been, there hasn't been that much fun stuff. So this is, this is all pretty fun. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. In all honesty, like I knew it came out. Um, one of our friends, uh, Lordy, who we've spoken about previously, he runs a uh, pop culture podcast, and they were covering the release, so he was listening to it. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh okay. So I knew about it. I saw all the gag city memes. Um, but 
I personally, both with Nikki and Drake, I've reached a point now where I'm like, whatever's supposed to reach me will reach me from you too. You I, know, like, I, like... I, and that's fair. <laughs> Truly, that's fair. Because I've never been a Nikki person. I've never been the person to like seek out the Nikki album. This is probably the first one that I've been like, oh, people should check this out. Um, but you you know how I feel about Drake. So I'm kind of in that. Yeah, same exactly. Place. So yeah. My, my whole thing is with Nicki Minaj. I feel like someone told me a while ago that part of her problem is all of her peers have grown musically and she hadn't. Yeah. And so I just, again, I just kind of like wrote her off as like whatever song I'm supposed to, uh, I'll get it when it comes across my feed. But you have now made it to where I will, I I am making a pledge to myself, I will check out this album and see what I like because I, yeah. I trust your taste in music. And I do think that this is one of the bigger albums that she's had released in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, I... I, I I find Nikki is always worth like a few songs. I would yeah. never buy an entire Nikki album. I agree but, with that. There are yeah. <laughs> standout songs on this album. I don't know that the it's like a no skip. I would never yeah. say it's a no skip. Yeah. But I mean, we haven't had like a true Nikki album in a very long time. She did I want to say since like 2018, we've had like a real album. So yeah, it's been a while. Okay, uh, that's good. And I'll add it. Go go listen to what is it? Pink Friday two. Pink Friday too, yeah. Pink Friday much. too. Okay, uh, my homework this week is I guess we, we're for the girls this week. I don't know why. Always. Have you seen or heard of Poor Things? It's been on my list for the longest, and honestly, I went to see Iron Claw instead of Poor Things, and I kind of wish I saw Poor Things just because I wasn't emotionally ready to see Iron Claw. <laughs> but it's all I can't wait to see it, Brett. I I've heard so many good you, things. Let me tell you about Poor Things. Four Things is really good. It is, someone called it the Barbie movie for goths. And it, I has, heard it was Barbie meets Frankenstein. Yeah, it is. It is Barbie meets Frankenstein. It's also Barbie meets Frankenstein meets Tim Burton. Like Ooh, the set yeah. pieces really reminded me of Tim Burton. The, it's very weird. It's very, like, I think the first yeah. 20 of the 20 minutes of the movie are in black and white. Ooh. Um, it is basically what they do without spoiling anything is they take the born yesterday trope and they look into that and they're like, if you were truly born yesterday, what kind of person would you be if you didn't have the conditioning of society to influence sure, you? Sure. That's what it does. It really is a movie about... Um, the main character played by Emma Stone just being like, hmm, you say this, but you do this. Yeah. And having been born yesterday, I'm going to look at your actions. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, that's great. And that's a, that to me, like, especially as I, as someone who I am such a champion of, I don't listen to what you have to say to me. I listen to your actions. Your yeah. actions will tell me way more than anything you could ever say. And this movie just really hit for me so right at the way it's the reason why everyone is saying like it's Barbie specifically is because it actually looks at the way society imposes upon women, uh, but also the way that men behave specifically again, when it comes to a woman, when it comes to women's bodies, mm. when it comes to relationships um, it's all very fun satire. Um, Emma Stone does amazing acting. Um, William Defoe is always good in these type of roles where he gets to be a little grotesque, but also uh, a man with a point of view. I and love William Mark Defoe, the character actor. Like I like even Mark yeah. Ruffalo. Like when they get to just like play and be like deep in costume and character, they always get great performances. I'm really excited to see Emma's performance, honestly, more yeah. than anything. A little bit of a spoiler, but for those of you who have always wanted to see, you get to see Mark Ruffalo naked. Maybe not Ooh. Mark Ruffalo in the uh Bruce Banner of it all naked. Yeah, but you do get Mark Ruffalo is going in. He is having fun. He is acting. He it is it's a fun experience to attend to. And I think for people who like movies, poor thing is it's going to be fun. I think sure. I think it'll be. all right. I'm gonna check it out. I'm excited to. And can I okay. say this? I I typically spend my January Februarys uh, watching typically from home 
all of the movies that are nominated for Oscars that I didn't get a chance to watch over th through the year, typically because they have uh, like uh, limited releases or, you know, something like that. Um, is this a movie I should save for that chunk of time right before no. Oscar season? Or is no. this like a watch it in theaters? I think it's a, a it's a watch it in theaters because okay. there is something about the scale and the the whimsy that is this movie it's all it's it's very similar it's a not similar in tone but very similar in ex in the need to experience it in a theater as wonka in the set that like the set pieces are supposed to be larger than life everything is supposed to be just otherworldly and surreal yeah. and watching it on your tv will not give you the exact same experience as watching it in a theater but on top of that, I think that it's one of those movies that people are going to be talking about during this um, award season. And yeah. you're going to want to have a point of reference. I always feel like there are certain movies where you will learn as the award season goes on and you're like, oh, OK, I'll check this one out. But there are certain movies where it's like, I want to know what everyone's talking about. Honestly, that's what made me go see Iron Claw. That's what makes me um, has Saltburn high on my list. I still haven't seen that. And it's oh my I want to join the conversation. It's the same reason I saw Leave the World Behind. It was like there were conversations happening that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and yeah, this, this one is no different. So that's good. why I saw Past Lives. And I oh, will yeah, say yeah. that. I had different feelings about past lives, but I can now join the conversation. So. I still <laughs> haven't brought myself to see it because I feel like it's going to be crushing based off of all the reviews I've heard. But I I would be very interested to see what do you think about Okay, all right, all right, all right. I'm excited <laughs> to check it out. But my homework is for things. I think everyone should go see it. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Go do that. Um, so uh, if you would like to tell us your thoughts on any of the movies or any of the episodes that we have discussed in this episode, please reach out to us at Broad Meets World. You can email us at broadmeetsworld at gmail.com. You can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash broadmeetsworld. You can follow us on YouTube at Broad Meets World Pod. Uh, you guys know how to find us at this point in time. We love hearing from you. We always... Uh, have fun, and we hope that you have fun as well. Uh, and on that note, I feel like this is a good place to close it out. Tony? Guys, just remember to dream, try, and do good. Later, bruh! Later, bruh! This episode of Broad Meets World is produced by Siege and edited by Tony Curtis. Broad Meets World is a two-free tokens media production. Bye. Bye. Bye.